0: Or go to FailYourWay.com for more info. Now back to the show. Launching a book isn't easy, but it can also launch you into a whole new life. What's important now is that I am a best-selling author, and that's awesome.
1: I found my soul on this journey. I found my purpose, you know, in life.
0: In this show, I talk to authors about how they launched and how it took them to the next level. Hi there. Welcome to episode 309 of Launchpad. I am your host, Anna David. We talk about book launches, how they can change your career, and how you can have a successful one. Today, I have one of the funniest men alive, dead or alive, his name's Joel Stein. He was a columnist for Time Magazine for 20 years. He also has been a columnist for Entertainment Weekly and the LA Times. Uh, he is the author of two books. One is called Man Made, and the second is called In Defense of Elitism. They both have very long subtitles that I can't at this point remember, but the one about elitism has to do with uh, why you're better than anyone who bought this book. It's very funny. He's super, super, super funny. And even though he is very funny and you will laugh throughout this episode, there are actually helpful tips in here. Mm-hmm. Mostly it's about uh, how to have a successful book book launch. You have to be pushy, basically be that person that you don't want to be if you want to have results. And also you if you have a publicist, you will hate them and uh, you have every right to, but it's just not a good use of your energy. So if you would like to see the show notes, which includes the full transcript, which includes links to Joel and his book, uh, and which includes links so you can download this podcast, just go to launchpadpub dot com slash blog slash Joel. And with that I give you Joel Stein. Now that I'm recording, are you gonna stop speaking? Oh my God! Are you really not speaking? Would say something. You're freaking me out right now. Because I can't hear you.
1: I know. I just wanted to see how you handled that.
0: Ah, so I did great. not handle it, wasn't it well. Wasn't professional. No. You know what? You would have. It would have been so much better if you had been mouthing words so that I really could have thought. Okay, don't do it to again. Trick you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're having so much fun. Um, so. Thank you again for agreeing to do this. It's, um, I, I will say I was able to enjoy your book right when the world shifted. So I, I, I had about half of it back in the old world and the, and the rest I listened to once we were in this new world.
1: Well, I have a question then because yes. I'm only interested in myself and my book. Of Did it seem more interesting or relevant or compelling before the coronavirus lockdown, or after
0: it, it felt, um, it, it feels relevant in both worlds. It seemed um, less amusing, I would say, in our oh. current world. Feels like it's ending. Um, you know, you you do such an amazing job of of you know pissing people off and making them laugh at the same time. I mean, it really is your. Your strong suit. You don't piss me off, but I could, Not I could yet. feel.
1: they only like a minute or two in.
0: <laughs> I could feel other people's rage as I was listening to it. I was like, I wish, I wish I was as ballsy as Joel Stein. That's what I said.
1: Wow. That's an <laughs> odd, but nice compliment. <laughs>
0: um. So, so let's talk also, so let's talk. Okay. It
1: actually means a lot to me. I'm only ballsy in print as you're, as you know, from meeting me. Cause, uh, I have some social anxiety and I'm desperate to be liked. But somehow, if I don't have to look at the person I'm offending or annoying, it's, uh, it's a great joy to me.
0: I think we're opposites. I find I it-
1: like instigating too. Like I like entering a conversation and causing other people to argue. So that's the same kind of, of but you, you're gutsy in real life. You're not,
0: you're not afraid of things. Well, I will tell you, because I am a former journalist and I was terrible at it because I was so, di- I just didn't know how to not want the person to like me when I wrote this. Yes. And nobody's ever happy with how they're being written about. Almost never. No. Right? And It's
1: random because I- you can write something that you think is going to make people, someone angry, and they can have a, a really good attitude about it and really love it and, or, or just love attention. Uh, and then you can, you can write something that you think is very flattering and it has one line or one word that makes someone angry. Uh, I, I can never predict how someone will react. I learned that in college.
0: Yeah, I learned it, I, I learned it when I worked at People Magazine where we only wrote <clears throat> fluff pieces and still people would be mm-hmm. pissed off. But yes, you right. and, and my friend, my friend Vanessa Grigorat is like, she would write these things yes. and she's like writing mean things about Barry Diller. And I'm like, how do you have the balls? I don't, I do not, do not, do not. Um, and I thought it was interesting because you have this chapter on Scott, scott the Dilbert, scott adams the Dilbert yes. guy who um who kind of comes at it from the opposite the opposite political sphere but like i had always sorry i'm just talking we don't really need you um about like i had always kind of thought of him as a very hateable figure until i read your portrayal of him and now i think of him as a stud because he's he married that hot chick in his town
1: well i don't think they're married yet but uh, that is a very a, a surprising number of people who've read my book, which is a surprisingly small number, have uh, found him to be the most odious character by far in the book. Way more than Tucker Carlson or even me.
0: Well, I had read a lot about how odious he was before, oh, okay. and okay. I, I had heard That's you know everybody difference. hated that guy, and so and so to to see a human being who's actually I could look at him as sort of just like you but for the other side and you're so endearing and likable i could look he
1: is you would you would enjoy he's a very sweet man who you would enjoy spending time with you you might get infuriated with him but i think you would think he's nice
0: i went to college with tucker carlson by the way so i don't find trinity trinity college
1: and uh were you the same yearish
0: he's a year ahead of me and we were part of the same friend group um, and I certainly didn't know about his politics because all all we actually did was was drink. Like, we didn't actually mm. talk about anything interesting, but my roommate- And you smoked
1: marijuana or just drank marijuana? I wasn't, like
0: <laughs> we didn't drink marijuana. Mary Jane? We, we did a lot of, of things. Um, obviously, he didn't, but my college roommate, Amy, married Neil, who is his partner at the Daily Caller. Like, they, they oh. were very, very connected, I would
1: say. And what's that guy like?
0: so nice okay yeah so so nice can we not talk about let's not let me monopolize anymore let's talk no about did he watches. wear did
1: tucker wear the bow tie in no college? i
0: don't think he wore bow ties in you
1: college. would remember yeah
0: i i was drunk so much
1: nobody's that drunk they don't remember a college getting a bow tie all the time
0: at trinity college it's possible really? it's possible wow I, I just, I, but anyway, I am, I, it's rare that I'm tired of Why would you blessing, have gone to I'm,
1: Trinity? That's a, a this is the best you're a nice Jewish done. gal, right? I know,
0: I know. That's what my grandparents said too. It was the only school that was considered good enough by my family that I got into. Actually, it was a safety. You know, remember the mm-hmm. safety? Yeah, I, I know. I had a, we all take Stanford. Yeah. Oh, what your safety? Was Yale? What was your safety?
1: I didn't get into Yale. Um, Well, I got lucky because I, uh, there was this rolling admissions at the University of Michigan. So they would tell you like weeks after you applied. So I applied like the day you could apply, which was back in like September or something. And I got into Michigan before I had to apply anywhere else. So I was in somewhere way better than my safety school. So I didn't even have to bother with the safeties. It was, it was, I'm still root for them in sports. I'm still very grateful.
0: Yeah, I was waitlisted at Penn and Vassar. And those were my two that I really wanted to go to. And I thought, yeah. well, obviously, I'm going to get off the waitlist. And this school called Trinity that I've never even been to doesn't require a deposit in order to be, you just say, yes, I'll go to you. And it was that's the only sad. school that didn't require a deposit, I know. And so that that's, Penn that's, and,
1: that's thirsty. That's a thirsty school right there.
0: What's ironic, though, is people think Trinity's the greatest school. I mean, Tucker Carlson went there. Am I right? Sure.
1: And his friend Neil.
0: And his friend Neil. Um, now, but 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 it, yes, it was not a Catholic school, it, it, despite its name. Oh. I know. My family, my grandparents weren't pleased either. But I'm a, I'm also a very bad Jew. So there, was there was there a different
1: way. Trinity they were referring to? <laughs>
0: It used to be called Washington College, and through some bizarre college name switching thing, it changed to Trinity College, but I assure I think assure they just told
1: the Jews this story, because this is not adding up at all.
0: There were other Jews there.
1: Yeah, all told this odd story about a different <laughs> Trinity.
0: <laughs> look, look. It's the three
1: uh, branches of government we're referring to.
0: I, there, wa- there was a chapel that I never set foot in, if that makes right. it any better.
1: Well, every college has a chapel. We had a giant church, too.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You're as guilty as I am. Let's move on.
1: By the way, um, is there yeah. anything more in defense of elitism than spending the first third of the podcast talking about what college you went into and didn't get into? And uh, oh, this is perfect.
0: These yeah, are people. Which, exactly. Exactly. So we've already weeded out anybody who would not mm-hmm. buy your book. How All the state school that?
1: people are gone from this podcast now.
0: Um, now, now, okay, so, so this was your second book. And actually, you waited quite a while into your career as a writer to write a book, I would say. Yes. Why?
1: I didn't have an idea I thought was good enough for a book. And I, at one point early on in my 20s, I had an idea that I did pitch and no one wanted it. They found the idea offensive, in fact. And then, um, and then I just never, I never came up with an idea I liked enough. And eventually I had some friends who said, look, books are gonna go away. If you want to get a real advance, do this right now. And so I was really motivated by that more than anything. And then um, a friend of mine kind of gave me the idea for my first book. And I got a kind of blind deal for my second book which was just supposed to be a bunch of funny essays. That I kind of turned it into a memoir, and then I thought it was awful. And, and, and given the pre-coronavirus populist turn in our country, it just felt, and, and also Me Too and Black Lives Matter, just the culture had changed so that my memoir, which in, you know, I first started my career would have seemed like punky and cool and weird, uh, seemed really flat. It seemed like other stories were so much more interesting okay. than mine that no matter how I told it, I didn't like it. So I, so I asked to have it back, and, uh, and they said, yes, but we also want our money back, which mm-hmm. I heard they wouldn't do, but they, would, they did. And then my editor said, look, the head of uh, Grand Central Publishing, which is owned by Hachette, the top two people are leaving. We're getting a new president. If you have other ideas, I'll pitch them to this new person and maybe this person will go for it. it, was, it I felt like it was just them being nice before they took their money back, but it worked. I gave them this idea. Uh, and so I wrote this and I was, I was much happier with this than the memoir.
0: Interesting. So at, at the time that you pitched it, you hadn't been to Miami and, and done anything yet. It was all just a concept.
1: Yes, I'd written a couple pieces in Time Magazine,
0: mm-hmm. kind of
1: defending the elites. Uh, it was starting, I think, when Sarah, maybe a little before that. No, yeah, when Sarah Palin was nominated, I started to freak out about populism in this country. And so I had a couple pieces on that that I thought, I felt, that were funny and I felt strongly about. So I, in desperation, I pitched it.
0: And how did the people, especially those those Texans, uh, respond to the book once it was out? Did you hear from them? Did you talk yeah, about
1: to yeah I haven't spoken to all of them, but I talked to this guy, Jerry in the book pretty regularly. I talked yeah. to him uh, about a week and a half ago, so he checks in a lot.
0: He's the um, one who sent you all the Christ movies, right
1: yes yeah and 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 that there's a church in Miami that I went to once, and they pray for
0: you right they,
1: it's been. I think over more than two years and they pray, they pray for me every week. There's a list of people they pray for, but it's a short list of 10 people. It's like the president, the military, a rotating list of sick people in the town and me. And they've stepped up the part for me since the coronavirus because I live in LA and they know that's a, a dangerous you know, part of the country as far as infections. So that, so I'm a big part of their service, which is now a drive-in service. So you drive to the oh. parking lot of the church you tune into a radio station. It's a very small, it's about 50 people maybe. And uh, at least it was when they were fully open. And they drive to a parking lot. And there's a bunch of evangelical churches that do this. And you, you see the minister and you can listen to him and you're on your cars together.
0: That is amazing. So you're still like a, a star there.
1: Yeah, well, I was very nervous. I still am worried that this, I have not heard from a lot of people there. But he assures me, it's a very small town. And he assures yes. me everyone liked the book. But I find it odd that I haven't heard from a bunch of the other people in the book. I've heard from him and this woman, Deanne. Yeah, Deanne.
0: But, yeah. there's,
1: but there's a couple of other people who, I, who I, I'm, I'm curious as to what they really think. And I haven't reached out out of fear. Yeah. But Jerry, yeah. Jerry makes me think they're okay with it.
0: Okay, but so, okay, so back to this whole, okay, so first of all, back to publishing is going away. If you want a deal, you better do it now. Your friend said this to you, very prescient. Uh, uh, This friend said this to you, what, five or six years ago?
1: No, like 10 years ago.
0: And, um, and then I do, I've told you this before, but you had this tweet that I often quote, which is to say misquote about your, when man-made came out, basically saying my book is out. It's just like having a movie, but no one cares or something like that. Do you remember? Yeah,
1: that's exactly that. My first book was, was called man-made. I think it was, uh, 2002. And yes, I had really high expectations for this because I had a pretty, At that point, particularly, maybe I was on the the tail end of it, but I still had a pretty decent following from writing in Time Magazine. And when I found out how many books you had to sell in a week to be on the bestseller list, I was like, well, that's a done deal. Even if 0.001% of people who like tell me they like my column and email me, uh, then I'm on the bestseller list. And I was not on the bestseller list and I was crushed. And it was, you know, it just, I realized from, working at time magazine and seeing how many books got sent to me. And I was not a book reviewer um, that there's just a flood of of books out there. Um, There's a flood of everything. I mean, I've worked on TV shows that didn't get reviewed that were on networks, you know Um, it's hard to get attention for things you do that people don't love.
0: It is hard to get attention. I mean, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. The glo- I mean, I do think also that that it's very easy to go. Well, I mean, Time Magazine, you know. And then there's this marketing rule of seven, where someone has to hear about your book, they say seven times before they'll think about buying it.
1: It's also a much bigger ask to ask someone to read a column you wrote in a magazine that they subscribe to or run into because they want other things, or a TV show that they flip onto. It's very different to ask someone to. I think. A, spend the money, but B, spend all that time reading it. Because mm-hmm. I mean, the amount of people after that book came out or this book uh, who walked up to me and, and um, strangers walk up to me on the street and say, love your calm, love your writing, think you're the best. And then they, I would say, did you read my book? They're like, no, I heard about that. Yeah, no, I heard, you know, so they got the information. <laughs> they, they clearly had a generally warm enough feeling about me to walk up to a stranger on the street but they—they they were not going to read the book.
0: It takes a lot. It takes a lot. And these are—I'm not writing like
1: you know, uh, you know, a, a three-part series on Theodore Roosevelt. These, this is a pretty slim volume of jokes.
0: Enjoyable, educational. I will say, I—I I listened, and you read so well, and you know, frankly, most people don't. So that's so great. So the,
1: the second book you—you re- you listened to? Yeah, right? I didn't well, read that... the first
0: one. I'm just going to be honest.
1: No, it was—I was, um, was very—I ner- did not think I did a very good job reading the first one. Oh, okay. I, I went to an actor friend. Uh, but, but the last day, they're all. I went to a very good place to produce my first audiobook. And I felt like they, they, despite being kind of famous, gave me very little direction. And the last day I was recording, Mary Lou Henner walked in to re-record some stuff. And she had played m- my mom on a sitcom I wrote that never aired. And we stayed in touch in touch and she walked in and she suddenly gave me like five tips on reading a book and I was like this is amazing and then so when this when I had to record this new one I had an actor friend give me advice and then the guy who was supposed to produce it like how to go do someone more famous's book and so I got this young guy who was quitting the business and I was I felt screwed but he gave me the best advice on every line of how to deliver a joke I'm so grateful I think you know, I haven't really listened to it, but I think it, it's so much better than my first one.
0: Interesting. So wait a second. On every line? So basically, he, he mm-hmm. didn't stop you on every line and go, hey, you should do that with inflection at the end. He did?
1: No, because I got into a rhythm where I got better at it, but, right. but not every line, but at least once a page, yeah.
0: Yeah, it's very enjoyable. I really, I really did. I'm so I- glad. Yeah, because I don't know if you've had that experience when you're listening to a book mm-hmm. of an author you admire and you hate them because I can't you read hate Bill, their voice. Uh,
1: Bill Bryson, the best. It's, like, Bill it's Bryson should get someone else to read his books or get trained because it, it ruins his books. He's, his jokes don't work. I'm, I'm like, let's say, David Sedaris. Right. Who you would much rather hear Reed than, yes, than read than read yourself. It's yeah. funnier when he does it. He's got amazing delivery.
0: Yeah, yeah. I – um. Okay, but but my point is that I had a point, and it was this. It was in terms of launching, oh, here's something good. This is like a bit of a confrontation. For this book, the second book of yours, I received an invitation that looked very fancy that said Joel Stein is having a party at library, bar, or something downtown. I said, that is so lovely. I'm on Joel Stein's like, A-list. This is so great. Right back. Would love to go immediately right back. Get an email that says, I am so sorry, but we've reached capacity. So you're basically, you're disinvited. So tell me about that. Not about me, but about what this party was and how I could be invited. I was total B-less, as I should have been. You know, we've only met twice. Go on.
1: So I thought, everyone loves a book party. Yes. No one loves going to a book party. They just like to be invited to a book party. Thousand percent. and there's nothing more impressive than knowing knowing someone's having a fancy book party, so instead of having a book party, I just invited people to a book party, and then told them it was full.
0: That's not true.
1: That is not true, but that is that would totally, be
0: the best story.
1: That is totally what I'm going to do for my next book. That is a yeah, brilliant. Really everyone listening to this should steal that idea because that is best a idea great idea. You're having it at the fanciest place in town, and uh, yeah, then then you have to disinvite people because there's too many people. No. That's not what happened. Do you really want to know what happened?
0: Kind of. Only if it's relevant to someone listening and an experience they might have promoting a book.
1: I mean, the odds are infinitesimal. But this very nice publicist said, I would like to throw you a book party. Ah. Uh, A couple did. And this one uh, booked an amazing place and uh, asked me for a list. And I said, here's everyone I'd love to invite. Uh, Let me know how many I can invite. And she sent them all out. And the place freaked out. And they said, our room is simply not big enough. Now, it turned out that um, the room was big enough, and we could have fit like three times as many people there. And and that was it was breaking my heart. Uh, So anyone who emailed – you didn't email me, because I basically got everyone in Mm -hmm. who emailed me and told me this happened to them.
0: No, but I'm glad there were others. I just felt So many. It was was
1: angry. Like way – I got super (laughs) – and, and the publicists got crazy angry emails. I think it worked out to harm this beautiful hotel because they, they angered a lot of people. But yeah, I was able to get everyone in, but we could, have, we could have eaten. And I kept telling them, like, first of all, their room was huge. I don't understand what they possibly thought as far as it being not big enough. And secondly, people say yes all the time. And then, like, it's a weekday night party. People are going to say yes and then not show up.
0: So I, was, a- I was not going to show, to be frank. Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. Right. So
0: was it wasn't. No, I mean, I, and I, even at the time I was like, wow, that sounds really fun. I've never heard of that place. I bet Joel has like fancy fun friends, I did. but it's I did. downtown on a Thursday night. Yes. I, and even when I said yes, I was like, I probably won't go, but I love being invited. Yeah. Love the option.
1: Yeah. So that was, that was a mistake that no one should ever make.
0: Okay. But so let's talk about good things. for <laughs> A launch. Like what, so what are some of the things that you tried? And worked.
1: Oh, this is simple. And everyone will tell you this who writes a book. And you will not listen. So it's, it's you have to experience this yourself to, to go through it. But I'm assuming that Stephen King and David Sedaris, and uh, I, don't, I don't know the rest of the popular authors' names. David McCullough, no. Uh,
0: Glennon uh, Doyle, how about? Who? Glennon Doyle. Come yeah,
1: on. Yeah, exactly. No, okay, no, 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 no. No, no. okay.
0: Anyway, she's big. Go on.
1: There's all the the people who have like colorful books about murder.
0: Mm. So this isn't relevant for them or it is?
1: It's not relevant. Got it. But for the rest of us, do not hire a publicist out of Mm -hmm. your money. Use your book publicist. And you will think they're awful. Whoever your publicist for your book is, you're going to think they are talentless and awful. The truth is they can't help you. You have to work every connection you have ever had or friends have had. To get right to the person in charge of booking or hosting the show, the, ol- the ol- there are only about twelve shows. Uh, TV, we're talking about TV and radio. Everything else is a waste of time. All your social media is a waste of time. All of your um, tweet, you know, everything else is, is not worth it. So you have to get on this dozen, what one or twelve of these dozen outlets and do everything you can and if you get on a thousand other podcasts and outlets it won't matter if you get on these 12. I'm sorry it's TV radio and a couple of podcasts.
0: Okay, what are they? Do tell. I don't totally what? agree with what you're saying, but I still want you to talk.
1: It it's um that's a great sentence by the way. Here. I don't totally agree with you're saying, but I want you to talk. I like that. That's I'm that's what my book's it's about. Yours. Yeah. Um so uh, it depends on your book, right? The, if you have a book about knitting, it's going to be very different than if you have a book like I did, which was sort of about a little bit about politics. So for for my book, what would have helped would be, um, as far as podcasts, the ones that would have helped, almost none of which I got on, were um, Joe Rogan, Adam Carolla, which I did get on. Yeah, uh, I was going to say Sorry, I meant Mark Maron, mm-hmm. um, Conan O'Brien, Dak Shepard. I know I'm naming a lot of white dudes. You but, sure are. Um, but that's Tim
0: Ferriss. You didn't name that white Tim dude. Tim Ferriss. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: Lewis House.
1: I don't know who that is, but I bet okay. that's right. Would have helped, yeah. Um, I don't know if there are any more. I'll think, oh, maybe maybe Sam for my kind of book, Sam Harris. Yeah. Um, and then TV wise. Uh, that's where like the, the Conans and Jimmy Fallon, those are useless. That won't help you sell any books.
0: Have you uh, been on those shows a lot?
1: For my first book, I did Conan and Craig Ferguson a couple of times.
0: And didn't sell books?
1: No, almost none.
0: Interesting. Okay. What will
1: sell books is um, Bill Maher, um, Morning Joe. Um, the other morning shows to a lesser extent, Fox and Friends. Um, uh, the the other morning shows, especially the Sunday shows, but also the weekday shows, um, the network news shows. You know, Good Morning America, Meet the yeah. Class, there's news no shows. Um, oh, oh, the biggest thing you can possibly do is Terry Gross. Yes, Terry Gross, and then any other um, NPR MPR is also huge. If you can get on This American Life, if you can get on um, Morning Edition or All Things Considered. The the biggest thing I did for this book was um, um, uh, Stephen keep on a uh, on Morning Edition on NPR. Oh, Stephen keep
0: nice, yeah. and you know that it sold the most books because you went to Amazon right afterwards. How do you know?
1: Exactly. Yeah. Okay. You can watch the Amazon rankings are are move really dynamically and you can watch and that's where 80 something percent of books are sold anyway. So you're really watching almost real time sales of your book.
0: And and so how did you get so you did you I mean and here's the thing. How do you get shameless in terms of working connections because it's like I've talked it's like I have this this feeling of like you it's should care so much mixed with uh, who am I to ask you this? I'm annoying you. You know, how do you not be annoying while asking people to feature you
1: it's worse than that because you have to like ask your friends who've been on these shows to ask the people at. it's a big ask right so adam grant and i talk about this mm-hmm. a lot name drop weird, a
0: bit of a name drop
1: a bit of a huge name drop because he helped yeah. me a lot with this stuff yeah and he um you i also have similar personalities where we say yes to everything and we want to be liked and we're people pleasers and we hate asking for things. And we have also noticed that all we want to do is help other people like us who don't ask and are nervous. And, are, uh, and we spend 90% of our time helping pushy assholes. Right? Because they're mm-hmm. the people who are asking you once, mm-hmm. twice, three, four times. And eventually mm-hmm. they wear you down and you say yes. And even though they're the last people we want to help, even we, wind up helping those people instead of reaching out to people ourselves proactively. Yes. So you sort of have to adopt that attitude. And luckily, email makes it a little easier than pre-email when you had to either call or take your horse and visit someone's porch. Seems so hard. I and mean, that's what LBJ does, right? Like that's all he does is take, <laughs> is drive up to people's porches and bother them that's his entire life
0: such a it's it's a method but but i mean the thing is yet again pushy people will tell you email doesn't work you actually do have to pick that's up right. the phone to get people to say yes which is the worst
1: that's right and i i did not do that but that is a much better move and i i couldn't i couldn't quite get myself to do that
0: But so, okay. And and so not everyone listening has friends who've been on Jimmy Fallon and all of that stuff. So what do you do if you're someone who's like, okay, great. How am I, how can I get there?
1: That's the thing. Like I have so many friends who have self-published books and are like the publishing industry is stupid. It's a waste. If you can buy these, you know, Facebook ads and you can reach out to people I don't know, man. It, that seems like the success rate there is pretty low. It depends who you are. Like I was talking to, to um, Grant Ackitts, the chef, and they're selling all of their they're self publishing all of their cookbooks, and they're selling, they're making millions, literally selling their cookbook, uh, and they're mailing them out themselves, or they're mailing them to Amazon for distribution, and mm-hmm. they're they're figuring it out all themselves. Like they have to know which Amazon to send it to because you have to pay for storage mm-hmm. when Amazon holds you. So self publishing on that level. Gets, it's almost like being a publisher. It gets very complicated. but
0: Yeah, it doesn't have to be because Ingram can distribute to Amazon. It's a whole thing.
1: And they'll figure out where to send them to and, yeah. and storage costs. But yeah. they'll charge you, right? So it depends how efficient you want to be. Yes. Is what Grant and his partner Nick were telling me that if you, you can outsource a lot of that work,
0: mm-hmm. but then you're
1: paying X amount of cents more per book. And mm-hmm. at their level, it doesn't matter that much because they're selling these super expensive you know, photo coffee table book, but right. and cookbooks. But at our level, most people's level probably matters more. Anyway, I don't know how, if you don't have connections, you get a book published. I don't know. All this, the barriers to entry on a book are not the same as they are for a movie or a television show. They're much lower. Much but lower. But they're still there.
0: Yes and no. I mean, my company, that's, that is that—is what we we do for people. And we've seen, you know, I have published books where Uh, The author has gone and gotten it into 70 bookstores. My books published by HarperCollins weren't in 70 bookstores. Um, You know, we have a guy, a client who got on, uh, you know, Lewis Howe's podcast. I know you don't know who he is. So so people, it's about being a hustler. I mean, I think it goes back to what you were saying about, about, you just have to ask. You cannot rely on a publicist. You cannot no. rely on anybody. You just have to look at like what you've got. Who do you have in your address book? Who do you know? And, um, and, and, and sort of try to trace where that can lead you.
1: Yeah, and I know it from the other side, right? Like right. if I get an email from a publicist about a book, and I, I don't even write for any outlets right now, and I probably get about a book, probably get more than 15 a week. Wow. And I'm not even writing. I've never written about books. I still get like 15 a week. And wow. I, more than that, I probably get, and no one knows my address. I live at this house. I don't even work in an office anymore. I still probably get five, six books sent to me a week, physical books. Um, and, and the odds of me responding are, are next to nil. It's some publicist who I probably maybe never met telling me about an author I don't know. I mean, it's a needle in a haystack. Every so often, someone will email me about a book about something I'm, been, I've, I'm particularly fascinated by. That's an obscure subject. Like, but the odds of that are, are really like one in 500. So that, but if I send an email about me to someone I know, I sort of have to respond. Whereas if a publicist sent that email, about me to that person. They do not have to respond.
0: Yes. And I mean, it's just, it's just, I, I'm, I'm surprised it's that, that's shocking that you're getting 20 or e- whatever emails a week. You've never written about books. And it's just this, it's that kind of spraying mentality of publicists. Like that's who people are hiring people, paying them five to $10,000 a month so that they can send you someone who's never going to open the package, a book that you will never read. I mean, that is really why publicists, some are great, but the majority are not. because Well, that's a how publicist they're operating.
1: is great if you, if you have something that people inherently want to write about that they may not know about. So, right. But if you have something on the level of me, it's not great.
0: So what are your other tips? Um, you know, sort of shaking the trees, working the angles is tip number one. What's tip number two?
1: I don't think I have a second tip. It was, it you was have really, to have
0: a second tip.
1: It was really emailing my... So it was not just emailing people I knew who booked MSNBC shows or hosted shows, most of which you didn't, weren't able to get me on, uh, but some did. But it was also like, oh my God, I want to get on Joe Rogan let me go look at every guest who's ever been on Joe Rogan and see which ones I know. And email, say, Adam Grant. And be like, mm-hmm. who's the booker at Joe Rogan? Can you send them an email about me? And they would do that. And then I still didn't get on Joe Rogan. But that was... So but, not it, a good- but it worked for some shows, for sure. Right. Um, I got on two MSNBC shows because the hosts had worked for my friend Josh when they were at, at Bloomberg. And, uh, and I've been on their shows since. And the other thing is like, if you can regularly go on shows, even when you build those relationships, even when you don't have something out to promote, then it's a lot easier when you do have something to
0: promote. I think that's, that's key too. It's like nobody wants to hear like, oh, hey, I've got this thing. Will you feature me? But it's about having a relationship with the yeah. person, right? But wait a minute. Did time So there are shows I of- used
1: to always go on when I was at time. Right, because I loved going on, and I knew they loved me, and I would still go on. And then, like, and then when I emailed them about my book, like I, you know, I was on right away.
0: Exactly, exactly. It's um, it's so okay, okay. So, so really, what what about out in the world? Do you carry copies of your book? Do you uh, talk about it? Do you put it in your email signature? Like, you must have done other things aside from a party that you ended up disinviting me to and emailing your fancy friends. There are other things you've done.
1: I gotta say, the book party, I have one in New York. I don't think that really helps.
0: I don't Um, think it does, no.
1: It's good for your ego um, and it's fun, but I don't think it really helps. Um, I've been told that it is very effective to go to an event like I was at Politicon when my book came out and and to carry your book and stand by the bookstore or they just pretend to be reading it or whatever it is. Pretend to be reading your own book? I guess. I don't, I forgot the advice itself. Um, Or carrying it. I hope people ask you about it, you know, by a, by a Starbucks. I've been told to do that. I have not either had the guts or cared enough to do that.
0: Well, all the fancy elite events that you write about in the book would all be great places to have your book. Correct. summit it and.
1: and um, yeah. So I haven't done that. I, uh, I did speak somewhere at like a, at one of those kind of things. And the person I was just moderating and the person offered to put my book in the front and give people free send people free copies if they signed up. So I got some copies out. So if I kept doing that, that might work. Speaking gigs to a large convention are helpful, but those are hard to get anyway. Possibly um, over. And, oh, they are over. Sorry. Right. Yes. They're probably over okay. a long, long time. Um, yeah. In fact, why are we talking about like being outside of a Starbucks? This is like, I'm not going to die for my book.
0: <laughs> Remember Starbucks? <laughs> um, yeah, I, well, No,
1: not fondly like that. That was weird.
0: Yeah, I know. I it's, hard know. I, it's hard to know. It's hard to know. You know, as the day that we we're recording this, um, I, I've been hearing good news and that things are going to be back to normal soon. Um, so that's, that's the, that's the tack I'm going with.
1: From your uh, mom? were you hearing this? No. I heard.
0: I heard from our governor. I've just been hearing. Okay. I, ha- I let my boyfriend, I let it all filter through him because I'm sort of uh, Pollyanna slash ignorant and he's way more uh, paranoid slash informed. Okay. So I let it filter through him and then I take my own brain and now I decide that everything's okay. Isn't, th- are things not Okay.
1: I know. I think that that's a perfect information system you have and I don't want to I think so.
0: Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Okay. So we have to, we have to get towards wrapping up. I think this has been delightful. I I have no idea if it's been helpful. Have you had fun?
1: Who are we supposed to be helping me? Who are we helping?
0: We're not helping you. No, no, no. no.
1: Okay. I don't care. You
0: you and I together are helping
1: the listener. Uh, What's the listener's main problem?
0: Promoting their book, they want to know how to successfully launch a book. They may I, not know Adam Grant
1: look, you you know better than me because you have you have actual data from more than two books. but I, I am I deeply believe that you have to create something good, and that's far more important than promoting something. And, and when I say good, it depends on luck a little bit, right? Like if Hillbilly Elegy comes out, a year earlier, it's less of a hit, even though it's a great book. So there's all kinds of issues that you can control and can't control. And I've always been of the opinion that, um, and I think if you look at anyone successful, this is true, that you're going to have a ton of failures and pushing that boulder, th- that, that failure uphill is less a good use of your time than, than creating another boulder. My analogy is falling apart. But I'd rather get a lot of trips to the plate than to like, you know, mm. try and push the ball over the. Again, analogies are hard.
0: Well, it's sp- if sports. Isn't your thing? Well, I right? tried
1: too. I tried Sisyphus. I tried Greek <laughs> mythology. I tried sports. What is my thing?
0: Um, words. Words. Humor. Humor. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I, I look. They both semi worked. They both okay, worked thanks. enough yeah. for me to say what you're saying is. Like if the book doesn't hit, forget about it and write another.
1: Yeah, no. for sure. Really? For really? sure. That's my advice. That's my main advice. I yeah, mean, if you look at people who had successful books or successful anything, they probably had a lot of books, right? True. Like even my old boss Walter Isaacson, there there were a couple books before their hits, and there have been books since the hits. Like
0: right.
1: You know, and he he's really mastered his craft, and and. You know, there's no limit to how he can promote his book. You're but, right. And even some of his aren't aren't hits. So I, I would say, yeah, just to produce a lot.
0: I think it's good advice but with this caveat I mean I used to when I was writing books my agent was like you're doing a book a year and so it was sort of like okay this one no one cared let's do another one okay Mm -hmm. and I regret having sort of treated them like they were so disposable when they were they were books so I believe that yes you have to accept your book's fate in a way um, where it's landing and the time that it's landing but you also should do everything you can to try to set it up for success.
1: Sure. Yeah. I mean, you're going to though, right? Like you, after you work on that hard on something, you're going to promote it. I mean, some people are pushier than other people, but you're going you're gonna to use your connections. But I would yeah. say the, I, don't, I don't regret bothering the guests on Joe Rogan, even though that didn't work out. <clears throat> I probably regret, I did it for my first book, bothering celebrities I didn't know that well to tweet about my book, which they then did. Right. Because it's just a tweet, but it didn't help. And I was just annoying.
0: Right. And it just, it felt shameful a little bit. No? It felt shameful. Yeah. Yeah. Forget Twitter. Um, okay. Uh, Joel, what a delight.
1: Thank really? You so I was, much. wasn't I?
0: What was your favorite uh, part? I, it was probably before we started recording. That's not true. Every minute, every minute has been a joy. I'm not, I'm not kidding. I, I mean, I, I find you go very, very fun. That's the truth. If not, I mean, hopefully you helped people, but if not, they had fun. What? Oh, is, are you, oh you, you're doing the thing where you're pretending to freeze so that I can freak out? Okay, didn't work, didn't work. Hey, if people want to find you, where could they go?
1: Right here, in my book. They should buy my book. What are you talking about? My book, which I didn't even mention. In defense of elitism, why I'm better than you, and you're better than someone who didn't buy this book, uh, go to... Uh, Go to your tower, rec- your tower books. Go to your, uh, Bruise your Barnes and Noble. Walk around the aisles, make some friends, and buy it there.
0: Don't rub it in. You should also go to Joel's website because he updates it. I think hourly, and I
1: updated that- <laughs> it twice during this podcast to tell people <laughs> I was on here.
0: And you can get his book. I know because I was on the website this morning. There are links to both books. Um, So that you can just go to JoelStein.com, correct? That's it.
1: The that's Joel me. Stein, but you can also go to JoelStein.com. He's he's a very nice musician, exactly my age, who lives in LA, and enjoys oh, music.
0: But but don't yeah, go to the Joel Stein because really we want the we don't. I'm sorry. Both well, good. The musician. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you guys for listening. I will um I will talk to you next week. If you like this podcast, obviously review it. Review it and say the Joel Stein episode, the Joel Stein episode was your favorite. Okay.
1: I couldn't even promote my book well on this podcast. I have a lot of work to do. I'll learn from you.
0: Okay. I can stop being...